You're listening to Unlocking Our Sound Heritage and Voices Behind the TT, brought to you by Manx National Heritage, the charity responsible for the Isle of Man's natural and cultural heritage. The sound recordings you'll hear today and throughout this series on Manx Radio are part of a unique collection of around 600 sound recordings digitised from the Manx National Heritage Sound Archive and available online thanks to Unlocking Our Sound Heritage. The Unlocking Our Sound Heritage team at Manx National Heritage hope you enjoy eavesdropping on the voice clips we've chosen from the nation's sound archive, all of which can be listened to in full at imuseum.im. We're all used to hearing interviews with TT riders on the radio, but today we will be listening to the voices behind the TT. These are the people who work behind the scenes to make the TT and Manx Grand Prix happen, and the fans who come along to enjoy the events. After two years of no racing, this year thousands of motorcyclists from all over the world will once again return to the island. The racing couldn't happen without the hard work of our police force. So let's hear first from Robin Oak, the Chief Constable from 1986 to 1999. Well now, the TT itself is something to which my colleagues and I look forward. We know it's an exhilarating time. The season, if we can call it that still, does actually start probably at Easter, so it's well before TT time, but this is the time that actually is the magnet for the crowds, and with the motorcycles, the extra cars, it, it really brings an atmosphere to the island. And it's something which doesn't actually bring any trouble with it. Uh, all sorts of people say to me, well, how horrendous it must be. Doesn't the crime rate go up and don't the motoring offences and accidents go up? Crime rate is hardly affected at all because most people involved with the TT are super people. They just enjoy the racing and they enjoy the Isle of Man. We get a, a little bit of trouble with drink and sometimes they get a little bit over boisterous, but uh, the police officers... Uh, in their briefing are told to walk around with a smile on their face, try to enter into the spirit of things, and I think they do, generally speaking. It's nice to hear fans saying to us, well, you've got policemen actually speak to us. We, we find that that's not the case where we come from. So it's a bit of a challenge, because what we do is split the force in half. Instead of having the four-shift system, which we normally uh, work through the force, we just split it in half with just two shifts. 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. That's, in theory, they work 12 hours a day. In fact, they work many many more hours than that. Following on from Robin's comments, we hear from Harry Crompton, who retired in 2007 as a marshal after more than half a century. He was interviewed in the same year by Manx National Heritage curator Matthew Richardson. In this entertaining clip, he talks about the friendly nature of the TT and the comradeship shown between racing rivals. So tell me about that, that first one, that, that first 1949 one. How, how, did you, how did you come to get involved? It was absolutely fantastic. Yes. Your blood started to boil, and you, uh, and you saw these riders who were displaying their talents on yes. machines. Yes. But when you look at the machines today, you wonder how they ever got round. Yes. Yes. But they did it, and there was an excitement, and there was a comradeship between the marshals. There was a comrade spirit between the riders where a rider I've actually seen him come down Bray Hill where I've marshalled all the time and he would conk out at the bottom 
and his next fellow behind me would say, what's the matter? He said, I don't know. He said, I think I've got a bad spark plug. He said, well, borrow my spark, my plug spanner, and he would take it out from his boot that he had those days. And there was a comradeship that he would help him to get his bike going, and then they would both set up, and they're racing against each other, and he'd stop to help him. And the, the, the fans that came to the TT, uh, some of the photographs, if you look in Hemsley's uh, shop window, you'll see them lined all the way around the course, not one or two deep, but six, eight and ten deep, from Craig de Bar, right down to Windy Corner. And there was a spirit amongst people, no nastiness, we didn't see any trouble, but the comradeship was there, it was a TT, tourist trophy, and it was beautiful. Sometimes the marshals get to meet famous riders. Let's listen to Harry's description of a rather uncomfortable encounter with TT legend Joey Dunlop. Can you tell me any stories about any of the, the famous riders that you've met? All the famous riders, I'll give you an instance, were uh, Joey Dunlop. Mm. Uh, in recent years, he was coming down Bray Hill and he conked out in his practice. And I went to him and said, are you going to always find out if they're going to proceed or do they want uh, somebody come and pick them up or do, can they get back up to the grandstand? He said, no, I can't proceed. I'm going back up to the grandstand with the bike. He said, so if you can, I'll move the barrier for you. So I moved the barrier, but he's turning the lock on his handlebars to come round, he run over my right foot. <laughs> so I said, Joey, do you know you've just run over my big toe? He said, well, don't worry about it, you've got one on the other foot. <laughs> the TT couldn't happen without marshals. Although being a marshal is a great responsibility, it also has its lighter moments. Let's listen to Harry describe what being a marshal is really like. We used to assemble at the bottom of Bray Hill um, before any practice or any race. The sector marshal, which I was one of them, we used to line the men up and I would say, right, so we all know what we're doing. Let's get it organised properly so not on the last minute. You two, one and two, the first priority is to see to the rider. If he comes off his bike and he, it's priority you can buy a machine but you can't buy a life so you and you you fully trained in first aid you see to the rider three and four you get the machine off the track off the road and in a safe position five and six five and yeah you see that there's no debris on the road, so another rider coming down doesn't crash into any debris. Getting, and the last two of the gang, you look for crowd control because the public, when they see a crash, they get excited, might want to go in the roadway. You must keep them off because there could be a rider coming down, there could be a travelling marshal coming down. Now, going on to funny stories, I hope I'm forgiven for these, but we had a little laugh in our way when the marshals were presented with the new bikes, the Honda bikes, lovely machines. And 
I won't mention his name, but he went to fill up his tank and he filled it full of diesel. So that machine had to go back and he got another brand new one. And then we had our dear friend, Kipper. I'm saying no more, but everybody will know who Kipper is in the motorcycle uh, world. That came down on his first lap on a bike and dropped it at Quarterbridge. And that was a brand new Honda. There's various things like that, and they stop and they come and have it, and travelling marshal come and stop everything, all right, boy. That's excitement, TT. And the Grand Prix is wonderful as well. I've enjoyed every Grand Prix. Have you ever thought about where the TT riders get their race suits? Well, take a listen to Glennis Taylor of Manx Levers speaking in 1994. Well, I'm Glennis Taylor, and, and my husband Alan, he, he's the expert, you know, as I said to you, because he's originally is qualified as a leather technologist at the National Leather Cellars in London. Running His main thing is running tanneries, making the leather for rain and ballet shoes, etc., and just sort of 20 years ago, we got into this side of it because my family have all, always been in motorcycle racing, my father and my brother. Um, and it's really gone on from there. We're very, very involved with all the races. We know all of them. They're friends of ours. We've made suits for almost everybody. We do Joey Dunlops, we've done for Wayne Gardner. We do basically, you name whoever there is worldwide at some time or other Alan's made the suits for them and he designs them he designs them he makes the patterns cuts them obviously the girls in the factory work along with him our daughter also works here Amelia she's very much like her daddy you know she's good with her hands she can do all the things that he can do I can't <laughs> I can deal with the people but I'm on that side I don't do anything on that side and uh, I mean motorcycle that's everything to us that's all we ever do do you make mainly for the professional resources? oh no for anybody as you can see now whilst you're in here everybody people touring riding touring bikes people who are madly interested in motorcycling we make for everybody. We make anything that they want. One piece, two piece suits, jackets, jeans, salopettes. Uh, we do a mail order service worldwide. This fortnight, I mean, we've stuff going to Australia, America, France, Switzerland, Holland, Germany, Italy, pretty well everywhere, you know. Alan is quite well known worldwide. The Manx Leathers name we've always had but for the past five years because we had an association with a Japanese company we rather um, put it under dust sheets but now that we no longer have that association we're back with just Manx Leathers which we're very pleased about because it's, well it's the Manx name it belongs to the island. Glennis also reveals the astounding number of TT winners who have worn race suits made by Manx Levers. But if you look back over the last 14 years, we've been making, we've had over 80 TT winners. As you can see, this, this year we've had people on the rostrum all the way through. So it's, it's, it's just taken years and years and it's built up the reputation for the quality. Do you sell a lot during the TT week? Oh yes, 
yeah, it's wonderful for us. Plus, we see everybody, which is gorgeous. You know, we love seeing the people because you can talk to everyone. And it's amazing how many friends you make that come back year in and year out. And you know, they always come to see us. They come to buy their things. It's lovely. It's a wonderful atmosphere. Not only with just the racing and the professional side, but also with the visitors. They, they come back year after year, and it's extremely nice. You know, we've made an awful lot of very good friends. The TT is vital to many Manx businesses, not least the pubs and hotels. Rosemary Sale, interviewed in 1994 in her pub, the Sulby Glen Hotel, describes the importance of the TT and the Manx Grand Prix. And uh, how important would you see, say that the TT is for you? I'd say it was the most important three weeks to a month because a lot of the bikers don't just come over for the two weeks. It's not just the racing and the practice. A lot of Germans come over the week before practice week so that they can enjoy the beauty of the island and then have some racing. And a lot come over for the racing and the social life of the TT but then want the peace and quiet afterwards as well. So we actually get a month of trade from these people, you know, that come, not just for bikes, but for the island as well. But then the same again happens in September when you've got the Manx. That's building up just as much. We're getting more and more continental riders, and the English are coming back, which we haven't seen an awful lot of at the September races for ages. So... If we didn't have bikes on the Isle of Man, we'd be short of a lot of trade. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, that's where you do most of your trade, then? That is, yeah. Apart from that, you couldn't meet a more friendly bunch, could you? <laughs> Rosemary also describes her experience of being a female biker and how bikers are all one big family. What's it like to be a female <laughs> biker or a bike fan? That's a difficult one. Nobody's any different than biking. Everybody, if you go along the road in a car and you watch perhaps the biker riding in front of you and the biker coming down the road, you'll notice nine times out of ten they always signal to each other. They always dip their head, raise a hand. You're just part of a big family. And I mean, the roughest guy you find, the guy with the long hair, the oil-drenched trousers, the chains all round about him, is probably the biggest softy that you've ever met. Looks can be very deceiving in biking. And I've seen me, I'm here on my own, trying to work, trying to have a social life as well. I'll struggle in and out with a crate of bottles of a night time. And I'll have to fight off people that will say, let me give you a hand, let me carry that in, let me do this for you. Help comes from everywhere, so it's hard work, but it's a terrific social life as well. Elsie Wagoner, who worked at the Savoy Hotel from 1945 to 1988, tells us about the Norton team's unusual use of her kitchen in this amusing clip. I had a funny incident when I was down there too. It was, um, there was a TT. In your mother's? No, this was down the Savoy. Savoy. And um, the Norton teams are not great Norton's then. Well, some of the men from the Norton's mechanics and all stayed at the Savoy. They were there coming every year. And uh, evidently, whatever the more the bikes were like, they needed the oil a bit warmer to get them going right. So here was me 
down the Savoy with a, in the oven, the big, big ta- cans of oil, and had to be the, so, so many degrees, and they'd come running down and take two of those and go off, and I'd be sticking... <laughs> Talking about making cakes, I was warm and oil. So I said I was associated with the TT. <laughs> they used to give me a little present and then for some of the doing it, just for joke, joke, I think. But, um, oh yes, they're all in their white overalls coming rushing down there. And... That would be the early days of the Yes, oh yes. What would the TT be without the fans who flock to the island every year? In 1995, m took to the streets and spoke to a number of TT fans. Let's hear from one of the interviewees, Sue from Manchester, as she tells us what she loves about the TT. Um, my name's Sue Zender um, from Manchester. Have you been to the TT before? Ah, uh, yeah, this third week, third year we've come. And what do you think of it so far? It's been absolutely excellent. Really, really good fun. Where are you staying? Uh, we're in Douglas in a small B&B. It's really nice and really, really, really friendly. Do you think you get a chance to meet loads of new people when you come over for the TT? Yeah, because we see the ones that uh, come to the same guest house every year, but also they've got friends that come over, so we meet them, and you, you get talking to people in bushies, and it's a really good, friendly atmosphere. So what kinds of things have you done since you've been here? Apart from drink, um, <laughs> we've been... We're, go to Bushy Bushies most evenings and we've sort of walked around some of the course. We've not, I've not brought the bike over this year because, so I can drink. So I don't drink when I'm riding. It's just not worth it. Um, but we've basically sort of been trying to look at everything. Uh, things we haven't been to in previous years. We've tried to spectate from there this year and ones we won't go to this year we'll go to next year. And <laughs> so what pubs have you been to? Oh, I've lost count. Um, most of them, I think. I don't know the names of all of them, but we've been to most of them. Just a quick sample in each one. and Because uh, with, with walking, you sort of like sober up by the time you get to the next one. <laughs> so what do you think of Bushy? It's great fun. It really is. The first year we came, we didn't know what to expect. We thought, oh, you know, we've not come on a bike. Everybody's going to think we're weird. But everybody's so polite, so friendly. Nobody pushes you out the way. Nobody's rude. You just, it's like you're with friends all the time. The TT races are renowned worldwide. Even as far away as New Zealand, the island is considered a mecca for bike enthusiasts. Another TT fan, interviewed in 1995 by m was Brendan Ball. Let's take a listen. I'm Brendan Ball. I'm living in Malmesbury, Wiltshire, but I'm from New Zealand. So have you been to the TT before? Several times. I think this is my sixth time. And when was the first time that you came? first time was 1976, so this is almost, a, almost an anniversary. Are you a biker yourself? I've had bikes for a very, very long time. So what had you heard about the TT before you came? Oh, that it was paradise, that it was Mecca, that it was where, if you've, if you've ever had a bike, that's where you had to go. And from New Zealand, it's regarded as almost being a, an, an extension, you know. It's like New Zealand's fourth island. It's, it's very, very important to Kiwis. So it's well known? Oh, we well known is probably not the right word. You know, it's, as I say, almost the fourth island, certainly amongst mo- motorcyclists in New Zealand. And there's been a few pretty successful Kiwis that have raced here. Well, and what's his name? Crosby. <laughs> but as you know, they do okay. And I've even 
come over with a well not come over with but have come over to watch New Zealanders race and things like that quite specifically but that's going back a while so can you remember your first impressions when you first arrived at TT yes absolutely it was brilliant it was I mean the first impressions I suppose though they started at Liverpool and it's it's the it's the atmosphere that builds there um, the just being with so many people who are so enthusiastic about bikes and then when you come over it's fantastic. How do you find the atmosphere here? Oh, friendly, warm and exciting. Yeah. Wonderful place, absolutely wonderful place. If you're brought up on the Isle of Man, the races are almost part of your DNA. Everyone will have their favourite moments of the TT, as does local resident Linda McGee, who was interviewed in 1994. I always try to get up for the early morning practices. There's something special about being up at the grandstand at five o'clock mm-hmm. when all the bikes come out. Um, I did, well, last year I, I went to every single practice and every single race. I didn't miss one. But we, a friend of mine, we um, went out on the bike and went to different spots in the mornings and different spots at night, you know, so it was quite varied. You didn't, you don't ever get bored watching them go past anyway. But, I don't know, it's just, you just fit in with whatever's happening. You go to the practice, you go to the racing, you go to the beer tent behind the grandstand. You've always got to have your pint there. Oh. It's like a ritual every year. Um, anything that's going, you know, they, well, I wouldn't do the bungee jumping, but like, the helicopter rides, a few of my friends went on that last year. You just join in. You know, it's a case of you go to all the events if you can. You, you just go to meet people because they're, they're so friendly. Like, anybody will talk to you. Mm-hmm. It's like two weeks in a year when the Isle of Man comes alive. To end on a funny note, 34-year-old lawyer, Jill, tells us about Herbert, her naked inflatable pillion. My name's Jill. I'm a 34-year-old lawyer with a Harley Davidson 883cc, 883cc sports to motorcycle. And my pillion passenger is called Herbert, who is inflatable and a considerable improvement on last year's model, which had a slow puncture. We originally bought them because we got a little bit irritated by all the men going around with inflatable women with no clothes on. So we acquired inflatable men instead. And they've caused enormous amusement everybody else who takes photographs of them when we go past. Um, I don't know what else there is to say about Herbert, really. Thanks for listening to Voices Behind the TT. Join us again in July for more voices from Unluckengar Sound Heritage. Or in the meantime, listen again on the podcast available on the Manx Radio website. You can visit imuseum.im and click on Unlocking Our Sound Heritage to listen to these and many more sound recordings from the Manx National Heritage Sound Archive. To find out more about the charity Manx National Heritage and how you can support us, visit our website, manxnationalheritage.im or join us on Facebook. Facebook.